And yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome to the 26th episode of the Sad Nas CEDH podcast. My name is Kian, otherwise known as Varless, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, O3 Adam, better known as Poppy Phobia. What's up, everybody? And with us today is one of our Chad Nas patrons, Cole, otherwise known as Just Ice. How's it going? But before we get started, Adam, I think we have some triggers to resolve in our upkeep. Yeah, uh, thank you, Kian. So to start with, I want to thank Cole once again for joining us and being one of our patrons. If you would like to guest on an episode of the podcast, you can do so as well by going to patreon.com slash and signing up for the Chad Nas patron tier. Uh, with that tier, you get all the merch provided in our Patreon, as well as the opportunity to be on a podcast like our good friend Cole here. Uh, other than that, we have some more patrons we'd like to shout out. So thank you to Dute, Usable Object, Senator Tom, Scorish, Unorthodox Bird, Max P, Jeff Bezos, Domino, Geos Justin, and our two Chad Nas patrons, Just Ice, shouts out to Cole, and our newest Chad Nas patron, Valhalla C. If you'd like to support us as well, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash and you too can get a shout out on the show, get some merch, or even appear on an episode. Don't forget then to smash that like button and hit subscribe. And if you're listening on a podcast platform like Apple or Spotify, make sure you leave us a review and a rating as it helps us to reach new audiences. And with that, I think we're going to move to the main phase of this week's episode. So... For today's topic, we are discussing the pros and cons to soul bonding to a deck, or in other words, being a one-trick pony, and how branching out into other decks can be difficult, or how they can benefit you as a player. We're also going to be talking about flexing your deck, you know, fancy foils, things like that, and bling, so we're going to get right into this episode. So uh, to start with, let's talk about what decks we're currently playing. So, Cole, you're our guest, so I'll let you start first. Why don't you tell everybody what deck you're jamming these days? Um, I'm currently jamming uh, two different CDH lists at the moment. Um, first off is my my go-to. I played it basically since release. I have Holland, or Tulane, as many people like to call it. And then lately, probably the past two, three months, I've been jamming Rogsai. Oh, hey, switching it up. Switching it up a lot. <laughs> Yeah, Rock'sai is quite the different deck from Chulane. Um, um, it's been yeah. interesting, but so Chulane is like your your like tried and true deck, right? How long have you been playing Chulane? Yes. Um, I got the Brawl precon for it in Christmas of 2019, and so I built it as a casual deck. It started as uh just you know bulk, and then my birthday that year, like July. The deck had been getting stronger and stronger, and I was about to retire it because it'd be in too strong for my play group. I didn't play CDH. It was casual. I'd only been playing about a year. And then they got me, for my birthday, they got me like a Swan Song and a Force of Will for the deck. And I was like, okay. I joined the Discord for Holland at that point and w went from there. That's funny. That's funny that, like, you're like, you know what? I think I'm done. You know, the deck's getting too powerful. There's, there's, I shouldn't play it. And then someone's like, hey, man, here's a Force of Will in a, in a Swan <laughs> Song. We heard that you want to play a little more powerful. And you're like, well, I guess I do now. <laughs> and just started taking that into CDH. So was, was Holland the first CEDH deck that you played then? Yes. 
Wow, that's really cool. So, like, for, for it being the first deck that you ever played and then to continue to play that for the next, what, well, now we're in 2023, so we're going on, like, what would be four years. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite a while to, to be on the same deck, but that's cool. And you've been a big part of um, Hullen's brewing, right? Like, throughout, like, how uh, different brewers yeah. and people have, have built the deck. Um, are you a part of the database list, or? Uh, yes, Um Joking stepped down after Marchesa as like sort of like the main person, and so mm-hmm. when that happened, I got added to the list um, with Puma the Bear. Awesome! So it's a it's a collaborative list. Um, so getting involved with that that's that's pretty cool, especially for someone like yourself who maybe wasn't um, in it from the start, right? Like you said, the Holland Discord kind of already existed and people were already brewing it, but to 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 really. Um, be a part of that deck and get involved that much. It's really cool to have you be a collaborator on the list. Um, so then Holland and then Rogsai, you've just been jamming recently. What's your, how, how do you like Rogsai? Like, tell us, cause me and um, Kian, we're big turbo heads. So, so we like that deck a lot. I haven't really played it like in the online meta a lot, mainly just at my local. And we have a budget Goto, a budget blue farm, and then a Jenny Faye list currently. Okay. Like the third, my, are you on budget Rogsai? Uh, no, it's are just full a... power Rogsai. Uh oh. I've, <laughs> I've already bought everything but like the Twister, the Mox Diamond, and the three duels. Yeah, we can okay, save good. those for later. Don't yeah. buy a Twister yet. Save. No, I, I won't. Not anytime soon. Okay. Um, yeah. But it's kind of just like the first game I played with it, I mold a three and one turn one going first. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And so it's developed a reputation quickly in my LGS as being priority number one. Yeah, um, that's kind of what that deck does, right? It just points to you as like the number one threat always. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's been it's been fun. It's been enjoyable. Um, had some bad beats and had some crazy moments, um, but it's doing great. That's awesome. Cool. And then Kian, I don't feel like we've updated like the viewers on the stuff that we've been doing for a while so what deck have you been jamming lately uh i've been off rog Sai for the last couple months i think it was like a while i've been playing yeah. blue farm a lot so now i'm just a one trick pony on blue farm because it's uh statistically the best deck so why play anything else right literally I just guess. playing blue yeah. farm yeah i, mean, I don't need you... to pl- have fun while playing the game <laughs> You had some good luck with Blue Farm too, right? Like Blue Farm is what you took to uh, Oko and you top 16 on Oko. And so um, just playing locals and stuff, you went for like a, like a month where every FNM you were just winning every game. So <laughs> yeah, it was like two months. Yeah. So like you've been doing pretty good on Blue Farm, but then uh, what, what is your road to like CDH been like? Have you always played the same decks? I feel like you've kind of had a little bit of a variety in your, your play experience. Yeah. So I started out, I don't know if we've discussed this already, but I start, my first CDH deck was Savala Brostorm because it was cheap and fun and, like, really cheap and, like, could win, like, turn three. I was like, whoa, this deck's cracked. I got green spells. I had infinite mana, you know, do some fun stuff. And then uh, I built Grixis Kess, and Grixis is just always, always has been good and always will be good. Have you ever tried and the Grixis Obosh? No, mm, it's like always Grixis mommies. 
Oh, always mommies. Okay, good. good, good. <laughs> and then Blood Pod, and then Rogsai, and then Blue Farm. So it's all the what decks a, I've had. What a crazy road, dude! You go from like Bro Storm to 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 like Grixis Turbo in like such a fun path. And you even played Blood Pod. You were like, I'm gonna stacks Hulk the table while I also move into Grixis Storm. <laughs> yeah, it's like, fun. It is, but but you play your decks for quite a while. Like you at least. Are, are on a deck for almost a year at a time i would say right yeah, yeah. mostly long i was on rock side for like a year and a half yeah and then i was like this deck is not doing it anymore you're like white's important let me get that color white grand abolisher is a magic card yeah <laughs> oh but yeah and what 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 decks have you been up to recently i know you've been acquiring lots of bling yeah for, so uh, i i would definitely say that i probably switched decks the most out of our play group yeah. Um, I've been playing like in the CDH meta since, um, Midnight Hunt, right? Like that's when I really dove into CDH. So I haven't even been playing, I've just now been playing CDH for about a year. And in that time I went from playing, um, five color slivers <laughs> to, uh, like, cause it was like sliver queen combo. I then went into Jessica Ishai, then went into Winota, then went into Timna Thrasios, uh, I even had a few months where I played Godo, and now I'm on Najila. So in a year, I've played what one, two, three, four, five, six decks in a year. So I switch pretty often. I've moved to Najila down because I've changed my philosophy on like deck building and deck performance. Um, I feel like I'm in a good spot with Najila. I like having one card win conditions as well as, um, you know ability to combo any way I choose. But other than that, yeah. I mean, I, I play for a few months at a time, I'd say. I think Jessica Ishai played the longest, wouldn't you say? Probably like five or six months. And then yeah. from there, I've spent like three months on each other deck, um, settling now here on Najila. My shortest stint probably being Winota. I like played Winota, ruined locals for like a month and a half, and then was like, this isn't fun for everyone else, so it's not fun for me. And then I switched switched to a different deck. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that like in our topic of conversation today, you know, soul bonding versus, you know, branching to different lists, I kind of represent the party of, I, I branch out the most I'd say, and, and try the most lists, um, which might lead to our conversation about what's really the benefit. Right. Um, so maybe we'll get into that, but Kian, why don't you talk about the next question? Yeah. So want to ask a question for, for you guys. So what are some pros and cons that uh, come up with playing the same deck for many years? I know, Cole, you've been playing, like, basically Tulane. Or what did you call him before? Uh, like, is that his Colin. real name? Um, is that his real the, name? Yeah. Joking, when he wrote the primer, did a, like, a deep dive into, like, the correct way to say it. And it's, like, an ancient Gaelic legend, I think. Um, okay. And... Like, the actual way to pronounce it is really difficult for me, so I shorten it to Holland. Holland? Okay. So I know you've been playing Holland for basically since on release. What are what do you think are some pros and cons from you just sticking with that one deck up until um, recently? It's... I, I basically know the deck, like, it's the back of my hands. Um, I've discovered so many different lines for the list like I, because of how much I've played it. Um, and it gives me like an ability to like go for lines that most people won't ever see. Uh huh. Um, 
and like lines that my opponents don't see because like you know it's this obscure like 30th combo line in the deck <laughs> yeah um <laughs> as far as cons go um like whenever i switch to a different list like rogsai and like i have zero experience with ever playing Nas, breach any of that i don't really know how it works and it's like I keep whiffing breach combos. I don't think I've won a game with a breach yet. You'll get there. It's easy. That's, once you yeah, learn breach, <laughs> once you learn breach combos, you don't want to do anything but breach combo. It's no. so simple, broken, and easy. It's like it's safe, right? Like breach combos are so safe, and it's really hard to get blown out once your breach resolves. Mind break so, trap well, would like to know your location. Uh, I keep what I keep doing is not having enough cards in graveyard. That's oh. the hardest part, probably. Trying to breach too early, especially in Rogsai, that can actually be, like, a real problem. Yeah, I've, I whiffed, like, three in a row recently. Damn. So, outside of just, like, you, like, playing uh, Holland, like, the pros and cons of that, how do you think that other players can apply, like, the pros and cons of them playing their own deck to, like, the CDH meta? Um, I mean, as far as, like, especially for people wanting to go to tournaments, maining, like, focusing on one deck has benefits, because, like, you're going to perform better with a deck you know versus necessarily the strongest deck. Like, if I were to go to, like, the Chaos tournaments or something, I would play Holland because I know the deck versus Blue Farm. I mean, Blue Farm's probably a stronger list, but I don't know the list, and I don't know necessarily how to play it. Mm-hmm. So being, like, knowing your deck is very important as far as, like, if you're wanting to try, like, keep your win percentages up, win tournaments, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, on the tournament note, Adam, I know you wanted to uh, to bring up something about, like, like deck professional or deck experts or, like, people that are just, like, your top ter- tournament grinders and what their mindset is as it applies yeah. to, like... Yeah, so basically, like, something that I wanted to talk about and... Uh, I feel like Cole has a pretty good um, grasp on this because Cole, you're pretty well versed into like the content meta and like these like these large events, these large in-person events because you try to attend the ones that you can make. And uh, something that I wanted to bring up was the fact that like we see a lot of people that compete all the time that uh, end up doing really well that are like deck experts, right? So something that I'd like to like point out is like for a recent example, we can talk about like Silicon Dynasty. Now, Cole, did you watch any of Silicon Dynasty or see any of the coverage around it? I heard who won and that was about it. Okay. So in in regards to who won, like I'm looking right now at the top 16. Okay. Um, Looking at the top 16, I'm going to point out a few decks to you and the pilots. And I want you to let me know if you know what they play. Okay. So uh, the first, uh, I'll name out a few people, right? Um, so Alana, do you, do you, are you familiar with Alana? Yes. I, I mean, I'm at deck... uh, tier one. Um, okay. Do you know what probably deck even Blue Farm or Rockside? Okay. Yep. She, so she brought Blue Farm, right? Um, okay. do you know Cal from playing with power? Yes. He played Teamer Pirates. Okay. Yep. So he played Teamer Pirates. Um, did he wear his hat? Uh, no, he uh, he did not bring the hat this time. So, like, uh, the reason why I'm naming these people, because, for example, we know that these people are what I would consider, quote-unquote, deck professionals, right? These are people that play a deck, they play this one deck, and they're probably some of the best pilots at that deck. Um, you also have uh, Vasher. Vasher also brought Teamer Pirates. Vasher's one of the DDB authors for Teamer Pirates. 
we have uh anthony echevara um he plays Chainville to Ferry, and he's the guy that won mm. um, Cash Cards Unlimited, right? We have Ben Loeb, who won the whole event. Ben Loeb is the primer author for Esper Pirates. Um, so you have all these players that are known for playing these specific decks, consistently making top 16s. And then you have realize... players like... Oops, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Say what I, you're going to say. I didn't realize Vasher had switched. I thought he was still on a Tim Nathrasios. Uh, so Vasher plays like a bunch of different decks, right? But Vasher's main go-to deck is uh, Teamer Pirates. He also plays like Rog, Thrasios, Polymorph stuff. Like we've gotcha. seen Vasher play a lot of decks and events. Vasher, I would almost argue, um, could be someone who is a uh, a deck brancher, right? Um, so basically, like he plays a variety of decks and will play any of those decks into tournaments. Another person who made top 16 that I think fits that bill is uh, Ian, comedian. Will bring anything to a tournament that he thinks is fun and prove to people that he can take it to top 16. So I guess like um, something that I wanted to talk to you about is like your tournament experience, right? So you've played a lot of events as a Holland pilot and you had you have varying success with that deck. And I wanted to know if you think that there's a benefit to being like the best um, or like the most well-rounded in a specific deck in comparison to people like Vasher or Ian who just bring whatever they want and still top 16. And then we can kind of talk about like these statistics of, of other events and things like that. Um, yeah, well, um, let's see where I want to go with this. Sorry, my mind just went blank for a second. No, it's okay. It's a little bit of a difficult ask because you have to kind of think back to all the events that you've done and you've piloted with Holland, right? So, like, I know that um, we recently did Oktoberfest where you made top 40 in Oko. And for those that don't know how um, Monarch events work, there's a top 40 cut, and then the top 40 cut on is a play-in. So in order to win, you have to win three games in a row in order to make it to the final table and then, you know, win that table. Yeah, so, like, that you was made the top first 40 event they've done that. Um, oh, the really? Marchesa one before that was just a cut to top sixteen. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, I bubbled that one. I got seventeenth. <laughs> oh no way! <laughs> yeah, the early early this year, like between a playing with power tournament, chaos tournaments, um, and then two of the big local tournaments around here, and then Marchesa, I bubbled five tournaments in a row. Within like cut to top sixteen, I got top twenty. Very nice. It was kind of depressing, but... Yeah, so um, close. As far as, like, bringing Holland specifically to tournaments and being known as, like, the Holland guy, I think it depends really on what deck you're, like, known for as to whether or not it adds... Because, um, like, Holland's not a very scary deck when you sit down under the table. It's not seen a lot. It's not... It's not something that's going to, like, either run away with a game really quickly or, like, Winota, just make it so no one else can play. I'm just going to kind of sit here, draw cards. It's kind of like a Thrasios-style deck where you just sit there, draw cards, accrue value. But mm -hmm. it has the ability of, once you get set up, it can just, like, I can just pick and choose my windows. Yeah, you can kind of and, like you you do like a controlled storm almost, where you've drawn so many cards and have so many things in play that you're allowed to just play the way you want, and the rest of the table has to adhere to your play. Yeah, yeah. And then it dodges a lot of counter spells and stuff. 
because it's creatures. Yeah, nobody plays creature counter spells. Yeah, creature. We like to joke that creatures are virtually uncounterable in today's meta. Like, like oh, Basically. if you can win with a creature, you can because they're uncounterable. <laughs> yeah, um, but like being known as the Holland pilot hasn't really like put a target or anything on me because I mean it's not like people are scared of the deck most of the time, sadly. But like playing against like a known Winota pilot or something like or like Cal. Team of Pirates is... Like, I think it depends on what deck is what I'm trying to get across. Mm. As far yeah, as... Yeah. Like... Being, like, soul-bonded to a deck and what it adds. That makes sense, yeah. Um, so, do you, do you know... And then do you, do you kind of get what we're saying when we use the term, like, soul-bonding to a deck? Um, uh, it's, yes, kind of. Like, it's, you it's focus something that only on... Yeah, it's something that we use as like kind of like a meme in our play group because like, you know, soul bond is a keyword in magic and it talks about uh you you know, once a creature enters the battlefield, you can soul bond it or pair it with another creature. I feel like certain people sometimes soul bond to decks. So they'll pair themselves with a deck and um for sometimes for the wrong reasons, right? Um either they think it's better than other decks. Like they're not honest with themselves on how a deck might perform. And so you'll see sometimes people soul bond to decks that maybe wouldn't perform the highest in their meta comparative to other decks that they play. Now, if people are like, well, I just like the deck. Well, then it doesn't matter, right? Because <laughs> like you can play whatever you want to play. But yeah, there's like sometimes like I had that issue with Timnathrasios where I felt like I soul bonded to that deck where I felt like I had points to prove and people to prove wrong about it. And I was just completely <laughs> wrong with those points, you know what I mean? And then I ended up like taking it to tournament metas and that's where the whole O3 drop meme comes from because uh, it just didn't perform at the level that I thought it would, would perform. Turns out not it. having white cards in a white deck is kind of bad. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, you were that in the Thresius, okay. Yeah, I was playing Sacred Guy and that's why it ended up being Sacred like a Deluxe. problem. I do now think that Sacred Deluxe is one of the weaker variants of the deck, but that's a whole nother it's a whole other topic to discuss later. But um but yeah, um like so some of these like statistics, right, when it comes to like these players who quote unquote soul bound to decks. Like in Silicon Dynasty, right, you have like one, two, three, four, at least five players I can count off of just players that I know personally that are that individually just play one deck, right? And like that deck exclusively, and that's the deck they play in events. And then I can count two players that, um, you know, are uh, variety players or players that play a lot of different decks. Uh, even here, if I go to, like, the bracket for Punt City, um, the top 16, you have Alana, again, who only plays, like, Blue Farm in events. You have Mike Sad, who's uh, a Winota player. Ben Loeb, again, um, who basically plays um, Esper Pirates, like, exclusively. Um, and then you have, like, uh, a few players. Now, here, this tournament has a lot more players that play, like, a variety of decks, right? You have, like, Ian, Comedian. You have uh, Charles, who plays a variety of, like, mono-white styles. You have Tony Parks. Tony's uh, name is Hokey. And then you have, like, Emmett. These are all players that um, play, like, whatever deck they feel like playing into tournaments. So there's kind of, like, a mashup in, like, different events. I think Silicon Dynasty um, was uh, a, a, what we call, like, a new meta. So there, we like we haven't seen a lot of like what the West Coast brings and what it holds, but that one showed a lot more players that were um, like like one trick players that only play one style of deck. 
whereas Punt City on the East Coast showed a lot of more variety players. Um, as a variety player myself, I don't see any benefit to it besides like getting to know the decks that are around, right? So like I know so much more about other playstyles. Like I know a lot about stacks and Winota. I know a lot about um, green and 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 like Thrasios as like X strategies. Um, and then I know a ton about breach combo and stuff. So like when I'm in a pod, I feel like I'm what would be quote unquote the director of the pod. So people might not know what's going on or know what what's being cast or how a deck works and i feel like i have that knowledge so i'm usually the one like being like oh this is where you should interact this is you know we're gonna lose to this 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 and that but that's about it like i don't feel like my my knowledge in game makes it easier for me to win it just makes it easier for me not to lose as fast (laughs) whereas when i was playing like jessica ishai sometimes i just felt in complete control or i knew when i was going to win a game and when i was going to lose a game so my efforts changed drastically right like when you know your deck inside and out, you know exactly what point you're in control and what exactly at what point you're out of control. And I think that there's so much more benefit to that because it affects how you play at the table than there is to just knowing what every deck at the table does. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, Kian. Maybe you can chime in on that. Oh yeah, that makes sense because like with the more experience you have playing other strategies, the more you're able to understand. Like what they're like, how they win, what pieces they need to resolve, you know, what a typical hand looks like in a deck. So I think there's value to branching out to the other decks, but I also think there's value in just sticking with the deck for years. Because if you know it inside and out, you don't really care. If you know your deck good enough, you can win games. Yeah, I think that's like, that's a really good way to, to kind of state that. Um, um, I will say, playing this deck for as long as I have. Um, I don't necessarily understand other strategies, but I know how my deck is able to stop them. So I know yeah. I know what pieces I need to find against certain decks. Mm, that makes sense. That's that I that's actually huge though. Because like I remember that when I played Winota too, it was very similar where like I knew exactly what piece I needed in this moment exactly what it was and i knew exactly if i had the ability to tutor for it get it or like sometimes when you're playing a deck that that you're not as familiar with or that's newer for you it's uh it's really hard to make the right decisions and i feel like you lose to your own mistakes more often than you lose to the players at the other players at the table uh Mm -hmm. would you agree that that's like something that happens quite a bit yeah definitely i've learned that with rock um i keep whipping (laughs) Yeah, I don't, just I don't like, know the list very well yet. So, yeah, you're just like losing to to mistakes that you weren't uh, weren't prepared for, or a situation that you didn't know was going to be um, presented, right? And you, you grabbed the wrong thing, or you tutored wrong two turns ago, and it comes back to bite you in the ass, and you're just like, well, "How did I end up here?" Right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's definitely definitely a, a, a weird learning curve. That being said, though, there are other players that have proved my theory wrong, right? That maybe it's just their pilot skill or something else. Um, they are, um, you know, they they just prove that they can bring anything to the table and compete with it. And I just don't think that most players can can do the same thing, right? I can't bring Tivit to an event and top 16 it or win like Ian has, right? Um, or like uh, skill issue. Vasher. Yeah, or like Vasher. I can't just bring... Uh, 
you know, teamer polymorph or uh, yeah, teamer polymorph one day and then teamer pirates the next day and just put up the same results event after event. Like, I think it is a skill issue, quite honestly. I think some <laughs> players just are better at the game than others. And maybe that's, you know, maybe that just is something that people have to cope with. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, before we move on, Kian, you got something for us to do? Yeah, we're moving on to the best segment of this show, the flavor text of the week. For those of you just tuning in or don't know what the segment is, it's where we try to stump you, the audience, and the guys on the podcast with some challenging flavor text trivia. So, Cole, are you ready? Uh, I suppose. All right. And for you, the audience, if you'd like to participate as well, um, put your answer in the flavor text Discord channel for your chance to win a free pack on us. So let's get started. I'll start with the guys on the podcast. All right. Flavor text. The mana that binds the world together can also tear it apart. Oh, I think that I think I know that one. I'll give Adam a shot first if he wants to get started. Say say it one more time. (laughs) The mana that binds the world together can also tear it apart. The mana that binds the world together um, can also tear the world apart. Uh, this dude, I don't know what this is, but Cole, like, snap. <laughs> Cole, like, snap knew. He snap picked that thing. Um, I think it's an easy mana, one for him. The mana that binds the world together tears the world apart. Uh, mana? It's a mana spell? Ugh, I have no idea. Cole, what do you think it is? I'm going to be impressed it's here if you get Mana Breach. Yes. Mana, Good job. Mana Breach. I picked I an easy know. one off the Holland list all right so what, you... what? this one right here bam when player cast a spell that player nice foil they control their entire head it's like the the one win condition is it like a win condition in the deck what is it it's a stacks piece that doubles oh, as a no win way. condition yeah yep. because you get to continuously put lands into play that's so messed up yep <laughs> all right so, so now good. now one for the audience well at least it's a lovely view okay totally good so, time for it. well, at least it's a lovely view. Mm. So I know that we kind of like touched on this next, next uh, point of discussion here, but like, how can branching out to other decks help you to improve as a player? Cole, I'll toss oh. it to you first. Definitely like learning like different play styles, different lines, different combos helps a lot. Um, so that way you like, especially whenever I go back to Holland, I can see like what those pilots of that deck, like I know what they're looking for now. I know, like I can tell by like how they're playing. I can kind of guess it what's kind of in their hands and what their game plans are. Cause I mm-hmm. know the deck better now. Um, I don't have much experience with that though. Really the only like, popular deck that I've played other than Holland is Rockside. Um, most other CDH lists that I've like branched out into have been homebrews. Gotcha. So, not... so I guess a caveat I'll add to this is how um, from playing your like one deck, how does that help you to improve your game against others? No, just Knowing how my deck 
can react is like how it needs to react and what I need to do because I know the deck well helps a lot. Um, I feel like I'm just saying the same thing on repeat, but <laughs> I know we kind of touched yeah. on it earlier. So, yeah. I mean, so there is, there are like a few benefits to, to, to branching out to other decks, right? So like when, like it does 100% help you understand play patterns and play styles of other people. Um, I think basically like the, the best thing it can help you do is learn the combos of the decks that you're, that you're the most unfamiliar with. Right. So like a good example here is Cole, you said that you aren't familiar with breach piles and breach piles are really hard for you to understand. So getting to play Rogsai helps you better now understand how breach piles work and helps you interact with those decks with your main deck a lot easier. Right. So like now, you know, in Holland, like when to fire off the endurance, right. Or, you know, when's the right time to play the force of vigor, because those are your interaction points for decks like Rogsai, and you can save the game by utilizing those spells at the right time, right? I remember when yeah. I played Winota, um, my experience playing against, uh, playing with Turbo decks told me exactly when, like, I needed to, you know, kill the Rogsai with a Solitude before they go off to win the game. And all these types of things are important to note, especially if you're playing a style of deck that gives you a quote unquote brewer's advantage, right? Because there's Brewer's Advantage to playing decks that's uh, that are unfamiliar. Or what a lot of, you know, um, uh, like pilots that sold on to decks, they're playing decks that are their pet decks or that are their favorite decks, right? So that's why they, uh, they have an inherent advantage by doing that because they're unfamiliar with the rest of the table. Like how many games have you played, Cole, where people are like, what the hell does Tulane do? Um, too many to count. <laughs> exactly right because like even though it was a huge commander and very popular at one point as the metas change we always say like three months in cdh is like a year in real time right like people just completely forget new people start playing the game like the grow the game is growing so fast that people don't have never i never played against flash hulk i don't even know what the fuck flash does you know what i mean oh like, god it's yeah so people like things like that change constantly and so um there's an inherent brewer's advantage, brewer's advantage to those decks. And if you can understand the rest of the table better than the other players at the table and you have that brewer's advantage, I think it's a huge benefit to you as a pilot. Um, I don't know, though, if like you guys would agree with me in saying that. Um, like, Kian, I'm sure you have some opinions on that. <laughs> no, not really. I think I think it's true. Like, if you know... The more knowledge you have, the more uh, better of a player you'll become. So, I don't know. I think you said it well there. Hmm. Well, then, I guess we can just move on. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this is the topic that I think, like, we're kind of, like, the most in favor or, like, excited about because we all participate in it quite a bit. So, we're talking about, like, uh, like blinging out our decks, right? Um, I think that's one of the best advantages to soul bonding to a deck or playing the same deck for a number of years is you have the opportunity to just bling it out as much as possible and flex on all of your opponents. Because even if you lose, if you have the coolest deck at the table, I think you win. So, <laughs> yeah, 100%. So, um, I don't know, like, Cole, you, when I first met you, we met in person at Okotoberfest. 
And uh, one of the first things you did was you're like, hey, can I show you my two lane deck? And I was like, yeah, dude, let me see this thing. Like, I love bling. And you started like slamming some cards down on the table, showing me altars and, and, you know, painted cards and signed cards and foils. And I was like, this is sick. Like, I love this. And you had some really high end altars too. Uh, so yeah, why don't you talk about like oh, a on. section of like I have cards set aside to show if that's okay, but yeah, hundred um, percent. I guess we'll start with the big boys first. I have uh, Judge Promo Cradle. Oh, very nice. That's a big boy flex <laughs> and, right there. <laughs> um, the Junior Series City of Brass. Oh, nice. Sick. Um, we'll start with foils first. Um, I have, you know the. Obviously, if I can, for I go for retros. I have crop rotation, noble hierarch, Eladonry's call, all like the old retro foils. I see a fellow um, old border simp. I can respect mm -hmm. it. Uh, I just need them, you know, onslaught fetches to drop like a thousand dollars. True. I I will buy them once they don't drop we as well. <laughs> yeah, don't we? All um, wish that was the case. I am part of the crazy people category where if a card doesn't come in foil i will put paint on it or have commission an altar or something mm -hmm. so like this is my three duels full nice. arts wow. galaxies guys um these were actually done by a local artist which was nice um my commander and my gilded drake i had done by mike from playing with power oh super sick mike said yo that drake is sick uh, it's so good. I'm really happy about this one. I got this, this, um, my commander altar recently from him, like maybe two weeks ago. It's Iroh from Avatar. Because that's oh, really what Olin reminds me of. And then, like, this is probably my favorite one I have so far. My Alluran altar. Most of you oh, probably oh, don't know what an Alluran does. But <laughs> when I commissioned it, I had. Holland put on it, and then the creatures in the background are Shrieking Drakes and White Mane Lions, the two cards that combo with the card. That's honestly That's so cool. cool. That was one I of my favorites. I, had, I wish I had more altars, dude. I have alt I get all my commanders altered. Um, but my like actual yeah. cards, I only have like one altar, and that's I had Mike Sad uh border extend an original dockside because I nice. I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of the new printings, so yeah. Other than since um, they don't have a foil, yeah. And just just like to show everybody, like just just the deck as a whole is all foil, yeah. All foils, and if it's not foils, it's been painted on. That's so cool. Um, yeah. So, how long have you been working on like blinging out your Holland deck? Um, this was probably a two or three year journey. Um, wow, so quite a bit. One of my previous jobs I had was making a lot of money and had very little like expenses at the time. Mm -hmm. So I decided to dump it all into magic. <laughs> I had like 30 different casual decks at one point. At the same time, as I was foiling out this deck, um, and I actually have three foiled out, fully foiled out decks. Three? Um, oh, three. What the heck? Only one is competitive. I have okay. um, Rakdos, Lord of Riots. 
um, okay. was my first ever deck. So I foiled it out. That's got my only other duel that I own. It has a Badlands in it. And then uh, it's got, like, you know, all your good um, Rakdos lands, all your foil titans. And then I foiled out Mono White Gideon Tribal. Because so you're for real, Chad? <laughs> yes. Gideon <laughs> is the best planeswalker and changed my mind. Uh, so I will say. Um, I'm, that's Tavar right. I'd like to know your location. The new Tavar <laughs> and the story behind Tavar is really making me appreciate him. Oh, really? I haven't uh, I haven't paid too much attention to the new lore stuff, so I'm not I'm not super familiar with Tavar. Um, um, basically, he went to Phyrexia with no shirt and kicked ass. <laughs> with no shirt, like that was. <laughs> yeah, started punching all the praetors. Basically. Um, so then, do you do you bling out your deck with any themes, Cole? Like, do um, you have like like do, are all your like I know you said that you like old border stuff. So like, do you keep as much things old border as possible? Do you go with the oldest printing of a foil? Do you do with pack foils? Like, there's a bunch of themes uh, that people utilize with bling. I have one consistent theme across all three decks, and that's I go for whichever foil I like the most. <laughs> so, like, I'll look theme. at all the foil printings, um, and I'll pick whichever one I find the best. Um, recently, I haven't been able to quite do that. I've changed careers a lot lately in the past, like, six months. Mm-hmm. So price has become a factor with some of my foils, so, like, my Ristic study isn't like the prophecy foil like I want it to be but but yeah as far as that though I mostly just go for whatever foil I like I like the best mm. that's it yeah I I am one of the people that my foils fit a subsequent theme right so like I know like some people are like oh I only do the most expensive printings of a card and I'm like well that's cool I can't afford that <laughs> I can afford some pretty expensive cards, but I can't afford, you know, like old border onslaught fetches and things like that. So like, like for example, right? Like one of my themes is my artifacts in my deck. So every artifact in my deck is a um, new border foil. So if it's, uh, it's going to be, you know, like the silver foil printing, and that includes like all the judge promo artifacts, like this judge promo soul ring, my judge promo mobile, judge promo mana crypt, right? And then, like, if they have a silver foil and it's not the fanciest version, so, like, this Arcane Signet, I get the full art. Same with, like, my Mana Vault. Um, I got, like, my full art Mana Vault. But I don't like inventions, so I don't get any inventions. I'm not a big fan of, like, invocations, so I don't have invocations. So I that's, think like... I'm going to change your mind on one. And what's um, that? <laughs> as far as inventions, Cloudstone Curio. Well, listen. It's an egg. The invention is so much better than the like the art itself, not like the foiling. Oh, the art itself is so much better. You don't like the big guy Uh, statue thing on it? That's like (laughs) not at all. Uh, um, I think the invention art is just way superior. But oh yeah, and then like the other themes that I follow are basically like old border judge promos. Uh, old borders and judge promos or any any type of promo printing right so like like all my combo card like i and whenever i foil out a deck i always start by foiling out the win condition that's like my favorite part is like if, like if i have breach combo i foil out breach combo and that way you know if i'm putting a foil on the stack i'm about to win the game and then yeah. 
like stuff like that but then like so like for my my other printings like this is like old border brain freeze foil uh judge promo intuition foil right um my judge promo dark ritual old border snap foil my judge promo force of will so like that's like here's my super series foil right oh you're city of brass yeah i traded up to a side one but yeah like that's like the kind of stuff that i'm into and the themes that i follow with my decks right here's a foil tainted pact um chain of vapor and then a uh judge promo one dark uh, uh demonic tutor so like nice. when it comes to foiling my decks those are like the themes that i pick but that's just because it's what makes me happy i think in general right like when you bling out your deck it's about like what makes you happy and 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 how you acquire the cards which like kian you have like stories for every card that you've acquired because you've got like some either crazy good deals or cards that you've had from like friends and trades like you've acquired some foils in some pretty sick ways uh i spent money on foils that's how i acquire <laughs> well i know um i don't have the cards in front of me i should be grab those but i know i've had this i've had an altered force will um by therese nelson for almost six years now and i think i went to energy milwaukee like way back when and traded a mana crypt for it um so that, that was pretty cool uh, other than that, the Judge promo that Adam Adam showed, that's one of my Grail cards that I picked up in the in the uh recently. Um other than that for themes, I am an old border foil simp. I love old border foils. I think old border is the best printing of all magic cards. If it's printed in old border, I probably have it somewhere. That includes all like any format I play, popper, you know, legacy cdh um yeah i i'm not too big on like foil like fully foiling art out a deck i'd say like adams adam and kevin are more in tunes to spending a lot of money on a cardboard (laughs) it's an an actual addiction (laughs) it it is an addiction but yeah uh yeah I, i don't know um what crazy stories were you were you think or what crazy deals were you just like things like you know like your Ristic study the deal that you got on your Ristic study or just like you know sometimes just like stealing cards from your friends and being like you're not using this I'll take this now. What are you talking about? <laughs> when, when when did I? When have I stolen a card? Uh, I mean, there's a city of traders that's out of my. Listen, why right you now. you <laughs> owe me money? So I'm, t- I'm that's on loan. You owe. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's but collateral. Um, it is yeah, yeah it exactly is collateral. It's, it's collateral it's collateral because he had to pay for a, a carry-on bag that when i missed my flight home from he 50. 03 dropped the plane and then i had to pay for all everything so uh, he owed me but, on on top of the 03 drop plane so now the city of traders what, is fine. one of my biggest flexes that i'm actually like really really proud of um is thanks to kian um and it's uh, it's this Najila that I got, right? So this is a Najila that Kian got me for Christmas, um, and it's actually an artist proof from oh, uh, from Matt. Yeah, so he did this like hand sketched drawing of Najila leading her warriors into battle, and this is like this is a new thing for me, right? Like artist proofs are very very new to me, and I'm like super hyped about this one. Um, and so like that's a branch of bling that i don't think many people like know about and don't not many people get into because it's like a whole nother world like you want to talk about expensive cards 
Like APs oh, are like insane. So expensive. Like, <laughs> like ridiculous. And then you're talking about yeah. getting paints and arts on them. It's like bonkers nuts. Yeah. Sadly, APs aren't tournament legal, which is why I didn't go full AP for Holland or try to because mm. I've thought about yeah. it. I really did. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's cool, right? If you can do it, but they're like, cool, oh, man. but they're not tournament legal, so I didn't. It's sad. Yeah, that's why. Like, I'm glad that it's my commander because, like, in the command zone, I can have like my real Najila, right? And then I can have my AP, and then when it's on the table, I just play my AP Najila on the sketch side, and it just like yeah. it's you know just as good. Mm-hmm. So, and if someone asks or calls a judge, I just pull out my my real one. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it's like pretty, uh, pretty, pretty like a whole different world. We actually have like, if you watch like Ristic studies, they have a video called a hundred proof with one of my friends crunch and he has a fully AP Kenrith deck. And that's like, yeah, that's like an insane level of commitment to the bling cause. You know what I mean? And, uh, it's pretty impressive to have something set aside like that. But, um, yeah, but yeah I, so, I didn't even I didn't even know about artist proofs. Like I didn't even know they were a thing until you brought like until you brought it up. I was like, yo, look at look at this cool artist proof. I'm like, what are those? The artist just <laughs> doodles on the card. Seems pretty cool. And then I looked at the prize. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is though, right? Like you look at it and you're like, this is such a cool idea. And then you like check the prize, you're like, Bleh. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Because a card that's like ten cents, then artist proof sketch is like three hundred dollars. Yeah, like it's not <laughs> yeah. cheap. It's I mean, and there's only like what thirty of each foil, I think, and fifty of each non-foil for each card. Yeah, yeah so like uh, it depends, right? Like the, these, like uh, the Commander Legends etched foils. There's actually fifty. So like I have okay, like yeah. number four, forty-two out of fifty, right? Um, but they're like numbered and they're rare. They're rarer than any other card to get an AP of a card it's like ridiculous and then the only time that you can get that ap again is if like they reprint it and only select number of cards get proofs so it's like super rare and like hard to get and so it's like a cool niche little thing for the community if you're someone that likes bling and like you want to bling your commander or bling out the win conditions in your deck like there's a huge community of collectors who only collect artist proofs which is kind of insane yeah. They're they're on their porcelain thrones, looking down at all our pe- us peasants buying just foils. <laughs> they're like, Haha. we get all right. So I got a question for both of you. What's the mo? What's your like? What's your Grail card if you don't have it already? Like, what's your what's the card that you would want to get? Foil, non like altered, artist proof, whatever. What's the card that you would want the most? All right. Can I give a hypothetical? Like, it doesn't exist where I need it to exist. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Foil Shrieking Drake. Okay. Is Shrieking it Drake does on not the reserve ex- list? No. No. It it's just... Pr- in, it's a common from Visions and has never been reprinted. Yep. Really? Oh, man. Yeah, that would be sick. A Foil Shrieking Drake? I think that's... I think that's worth it to say it's what your dream card would be, right? Um, but as far as cards that actually exist, um, I want a textless Cradle promo. Um, like a guy's I, cradle? Yeah, the textless guy's cradle promos. Um, it's basically the judge promo, but has no text. It just has the green symbol. They're, really? That's pretty cool. If you can find them, they are roughly 30000 
I've never I even heard of this, this until until you yeah. yeah until you said something. Yeah, it's um, well, I can't really show you because I don't own one, but. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking for I'm looking it up right now to see if I can find any info on it. But that seems kind of insane. I'm assuming it's very similar to the, um, yeah, I see it right here. Uh, the it's kind of like a well. test print sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's similar to like the City of Traders foil, um, where like they have foil City of Traders, but they're so rare and so hard to find. And yeah, I see it right here. This Texas guy's cradle. Holy crap, dude! That's insane. Um, I think the last sold one was ten thousand, like four years ago. Oh man, um, that guy got I steal. actually was looking for one, probably a year ago, and the cheapest price I could find was thirty thousand. Holy wow. crap! <laughs> I had I had like nine thousand ready for it, and you couldn't and get it. I yeah, I was nowhere close. Yeah, that's so sick. I've never even heard of this before. Yeah, uh, the Texas Foil Guys Cradle came from an uncut sheet where all the cards had no text. You can also find other cards in this, including Tournament Staple Duress. But yeah, uh, at the time that this article was written, which was years ago, the ballpark was around $5,000. Yeah, that's insane. Holy crap. That's such a cool... I never even knew that existed, dude. <laughs> um. For me right now, <laughs> the only card that's like on my grail list that I don't know if I'll be able to get is a foil English Final Fortune. Uh, the price on them just kind of keeps going up and up, and they haven't reprinted anything. It's from 7th edition, and like I want one really bad, but I'm just like not willing to pay the price that it's worth. My grail used to be Judge Promo Intuition, but I got offered such a good deal I could not pass it up, and I was able to acquire one in the last couple months. So now it's kind of switched there to a final fortune. And then obviously, like, I do want a time twister one day. Um, I've had been given offers to buy time twisters, and I'm just like, nope, can't do that. I'm opening a game store. Can't afford to buy a time twister right now. Like, too much stuff going on. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, my priorities have changed a little bit. Like, I've stopped buying a lot of foils. Um, like basically, I have Najila at 98% foil. I'm missing two cards to f complete it, and that's uh, Diabolic Intent and Final Fortune, and I want both original printing foils so um once i did that i was like well i'm content and probably not buying any more cards for a very long time mm -hmm. <laughs> what about you kid what's your like dream card um i also want a english seventh edition foil final fortune but uh other than that i'd take i think artist proofs timna crumb timna and crumb would be pretty cool as well oh you That's know how expensive right those probably are yeah Dude, I don't think it's gotta be... they're probably out of those. I haven't even. I'm looked, sure they're but out, I'm but you sure. can you can buy them on like the secondary market from people that own them. Like people, people will always sell stuff for the right price. Game. Yeah. True. Um, but I can imagine. Actually, like, I... sorry. Now that I, I think about say, it, uh, this is the funniest part about recording is when <laughs> you, people <laughs> try to say stuff at the same time. You can go first, Cole. Alright, um, I actually, a Grail card that I need, like, not even, it's not even that hard to get, I just don't own one. I don't have a foil commander. I only have my altar uh -huh. and my signed one. Dude, Those really? are the only That's two I own, yeah. Interesting, wow. No one's ever, like, as a gift been like, here's a foil Tulane, dude. <laughs> no, um, when I went to Tier 1 Con, the first one, um, Joking was there, um, Spleen was there. 
And so mm-hmm. we all got assigned hole and signed by all three of us. Because, like, three of the big people of the deck. Because Spleen, Spleen's one of the people that started it. Um, oh, cool. And then, so I took my copy and had it sent out to all the other people that helped brood the deck and had them sign it as well. That's actually but yeah, sick. I don't own a phone, a foil one. That's so funny. I'm surprised you haven't just been at an event, and been like, "Oh, there's a foil Tulane. Let me snap Yoink. that up." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just never been a priority for me. I guess I just realized it yeah. now, looking at them. <laughs> you never thought about it until we just started talking about foils. Uh, that's super fun. Um, well, uh, what? Oh, fuck! What was I gonna say now? No, I can't remember what I was gonna say. Your story was so funny. <laughs> um, we were talking about uh, what well, we were talking about English Final Fortune, and then uh, spending money on cards. Yeah, I don't know. I lost it. Real cards that we want or cool. Yeah, I mean, the die box content would be cool too, but that's a little bit more affordable than like a 7th edition Final Fortune. A yeah. 7th edition Birds, I guess, would also be on my radar uh, for, like, a yep. Grail card. Yeah. Definitely. 7th like edition um, Foil Birds. Like, ugh. I think it's... That's moved down on my list now that it got a retro foil. Yeah, I own one of the retro foils as well, so it's, like, not um, super hype. Also, like, I so can get 8th edition. <laughs> for, yeah. like, it's, like, significantly cheaper for 8th edition. Yeah. But um, but yeah, but uh, I guess we'll kind of start the wrap up here. But um, thanks for showing off your deck, Cole. Thanks for kind of no talking problem. a little bit about uh, soul bonding versus branching out. Um, like we really appreciate that. We really appreciate you coming on. We appreciate you being a patron and supporting us for so long. Um, it's really really nice of you to do that. You don't have to do that, and it means a lot to us. Yeah. Um, it really does. Like recently. Thank you. Yeah, recently we've been able to buy like uh, overhead setup for recording in-person games at our local LGSs. We we're nice. able to stream on Twitch now with all the equipment that we have. We've upgraded like our recording setups. Like, it's just really cool stuff that like Patreon enables us to do. We've been talking and... about gameplay uh, coming soon for the last six months, but listen, it's coming. We we got part one of two packages of these really nice equipment. So like Adam was saying, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll we actually yeah we're we we gonna have be the opportunity of the means yeah so it's really cool it's it's thanks to people like you Cole that like you know donate money to us and help us out and, and want to see channels grow and want to see CDH grow because like that's kind of our main goal right is like helping CDH grow and get more people yeah. into the format so we we really appreciated it uh, yeah I, I try my best um I love CDH I want to see it grow um and so I just I do what I can. And it yeah. just happens to be a little bit more than some people can. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> the most, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You do a lot to help. You do a lot to help out other community members like us, Monarch, Josh. You know, you yeah. you're a valued member of the community. So, thank you for that. Um, I think other than that, Kian, do you have anything you'd like to close with? Um, no, I think we basically touched on everything we want to touch on this episode. I think the bling was the best oh. part. Yeah, oh, I like the 100%. bling talk. The bling, bling talk is fun. Who cares about the other um, shit? Show us shiny, shiny cardboard. <laughs> Here's <laughs> so a I'm question: joking. If yeah, y'all have multiple away. basics in a deck, do they have to match? Yeah, I do, I go full art foil, uh, text basics. That's like my favorite. 
I that are like the play, the like uh, rules text of a basic land. Those are my favorite. Nice. Um, it, it depends if I had. So my favorite basics are um, unhinged John Avon basics. So if a deck, if I have all like a deck has like four islands and two swamps. If I have four islands and two swamps, I'm gonna use just John Avon basics. If not, I like to like use one art for like change up the art every time. They're not the same art. Yeah. I like seeing all So for Holland I use these the Pixel Lands. Pixel Lands are cool, oh, dude. Yeah. Pixel Lands are sick. I do like Pixel um, Lands. But as far as like for like my casual decks, I like for Gideon Tribal, I'm trying to get like one of each like uh, like go through and get specialty foils like the showcase land from M21. I have one of those, one of each of the unstable land or Oh, so um, you try, like if it's Infinity. like a monocolored deck, you'll get like as yeah. many basic Different yeah, that's cool. cool I, foils. Yeah. That's really fun. Yeah, especially if they're like like bling foils, right? Do you have a guru yeah. basic? Not yet. That would be safe. I got Guru's some Odyssey um, basics. The problem with Guru is it's oh, not nice. like foil. Yeah, but it's such a flex, dude. It is. Like, a hey, here's my eight hundred dollar basic. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna get an altered Guru. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> oh my gosh! A madman. <laughs> they have like the there's like a there's like an island, at the Guru Island, that has a misprint called the Drowning Man, where the Guru set symbol is upside down and printed in the middle of the art, so it looks like there's a man drowning in the water in the island. Oh, I need yeah, that. Yeah, there's like. There's like really cool stuff that's uh, that exists out there in the wild. New grow card, uh, <laughs> new grow card, <laughs> man island from Guru. That's so fun. Um, well, then, uh, yeah. Then before we end, uh, once again, I'd like to thank all of our high tier patrons. So thank you to Doot, Usable Object, Senator Tom, Scorish, Jeff Bezos, Unorthodox Bird, Domino, Max P, Geos Justin, and our resident Chad Nas patrons, Cole Just Ice, who you all have met today. Thank you once again to Cole. And then our newest Chad Nas patron, Valhalla C. Thank you guys for the support. Support from our patrons is what makes us here at Sad Nas continue to con make content, continue to make new content, buy things like overhead rigs for gameplay. Now we're going to be streaming from like our LGSs and doing stuff like that. And it's all thanks to you guys supporting us. Like, like to be completely transparent here, like me and Kian and the rest of the guys don't actually make any money off of Sad Nas. We just use the money that you guys give us to make the videos better. So we really appreciate that. And, you know, your support helps us to do that. So thank you. And then for those of you that haven't already joined the Discord, what the fuck, man? Get in the Discord. The Discord's fun. It's, like, actually active. People actually talk every day. And games are firing every day. We had, like, three games fire last night. And it was just fun and vibing. And then now we're doing patron days on Sundays. So on Sundays, we play games all day long with our patrons. Um, and there's six of us. So whoever's got time is out there playing with you. So, um, you know, come in. Join for that. It's a really good time. Um, and it's really fun. But I would like to announce we've made new strides, okay? We finally have more subscribers than we have uh discord members discord members <laughs> it's like for the longest time it was the opposite we had like a discord with 400 people and like 300 subscribers and i was like what's it where's everybody doing everybody's hanging out but nobody's nobody's Subbing watching to us on youtube man what the fuck yeah yeah please do that actually it's, oh it's i like, should 
probably check that. I don't watch y'all on YouTube, so. <laughs> what? You're not sub to us on YouTube. All right, scratch this episode. Goodbye. Th- thanks for your hundred. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's actually like, uh, it's actually funny because most of our audience is on Spotify, but nobody can see the Spotify views except for us. So when people look us up on YouTube, they're like, oh, look at this like really small channel. And then on yep. Spotify, we're like banging, we're popping. So it's well, just, what's like, our rank how, on like, Spotify? Our Spotify like... rank, and we're like um, in our specific category. We're in the top fifty podcasts, and sometimes it gets like in certain countries we're number one. So pretty it's crazy, kind of yeah, pretty fun. Oh, but I am already subscribed. Never mind. Let's go, hey. Cole. Always love the support. Um, but yeah, so make sure that you join the Discord, dude. We have a lot of fun. We're local to Milwaukee, so if you're from Wisconsin at all or thinking about coming to Wisconsin, I know even Cole at some point was like, hey, what's going on in Milwaukee? Yeah, Let me see the plan's up. still summer 2024, so. Hey, yo. So yeah, but we have a big local community. We have a lot of stuff we're talking about. I'm opening a game store, so that's we are talking about that in the Discord. So there's a lot of things that are, that are going on and that are happening. So get in there, have some fun, and spend some time with us because we'd love to spend some time with you. Um, and other than that... Um, if you're listening on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else, like, subscribe, leave a comment, drop us a review, and share us with your friends. When we post on Twitter, when we do things like that, follow us there, retweet the tweets, and it'll help us reach new audiences, and we can have more friends to play with and more people to talk to and more episodes for us to, to cast. Other than that, I think uh, we'll end the episode here. So you guys have a great week, and we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>
let's talk about what decks we're currently playing. So Cole, you're our guest. So I'll let you start first. Why don't you tell everybody what deck you're jamming these days? Um, I'm currently jamming uh, two different CDH lists at the moment. Um, first off is my my go-to. I played it basically since release. I have Holland, or Tulane as many people like to call it. And then lately, probably the past two, three months, I've been jamming Rogsai. Oh, hey. Switching it up. Switching it up a lot. <laughs> yeah, Rogsai is quite a different deck from Tulane. Um, um, it's yeah. been interesting, but... So Tulane is like your, your like tried and true deck, right? How long have you been playing yes. Tulane? Um, I got the Brawl Precon for it in Christmas of 2019. And so I built it as a casual deck it started as uh just you know bulk and then my birthday that year like july the deck had been getting stronger and stronger and i was about to retire it because it'd be in too strong for my play group i didn't play cdh it was casual i'd only been playing about a year and then they got me for my birthday they got me like a swan song and a force of will for the deck and i was like okay I joined the Discord for Holland at that point, and w- went from there. That's funny. That's funny that like you're like you know what I think I'm done. You know the deck's getting too powerful. There's there's I shouldn't play it, and then someone's like, hey man, here's a Force of Will in a, in a Swan <laughs> Song. We heard that you want to play a little more powerful, and you're like, well, I guess I do now, <laughs> and just started taking that into CDH. So was, was Holland the first CEDH deck that you played then? Yes. Wow, that's really cool. So like for, for it being the first deck that you ever played and then to continue to play that for the next, what? well, now we're in 2023, so we're going on like what would be four years. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite a while to, to be on the same deck, but that's cool. And you've been a big part of um, Holland's brewing, right? Like throughout... Like how uh, different brewers yeah. and people have have built the deck. Um, are you a part of the database list or? Uh, yes. Um, joking stepped down after Marchesa as like sort of like the main person, and so mm-hmm. when that happened, I got added to the list um, with Kumo the Bear. Awesome. So it's a it's a collaborative list. Um, so getting involved with that that's that's pretty cool, especially for someone like yourself who maybe wasn't. Um, in it from the start, right? Like you said, the Holland Discord kind of already existed and people were already brewing it, but to to, to really um, be a part of that deck and get involved that much, it's really cool f- to have you be a collaborator on the list. Um, so then Holland and then Rogsai, you've just been jamming recently. What's your, how, how do you like Rogsai? Like, tell us, because me and um, Kian, we're big turbo heads, so, so we like that deck a lot. I haven't really played it like in the online meta a lot, mainly just at my local and... We have a budget Goto, a budget Blue Farm, and then a Jenny Fay list currently. Okay. Like the third, my, are you on budget Rogsai? Uh, no, it's are just full a... power Rogsai. Uh oh. I've already bought everything but like the Twister, the Mox Diamond, and the Three Duels. Yeah, we can okay, save good. those for later. Don't yeah. buy a Twister yet. Save. No, I, I won't. Not anytime soon. Okay. Um, yeah. But it's kind of just. Like the first game I played with it, I mold a three and one turn one going first. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> and so it's developed a reputation quickly in my LGS as being priority number one. 
Yeah. Um, That's kind of what that deck does, right? It just points to you as like the number one threat always. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's been it's been fun. It's been enjoyable. Um had some bad beats and had some crazy moments. Um but it's doing great. That's awesome. Cool. And then Kian, I don't feel like we've updated like the viewers on the stuff that we've been doing for a while. So what deck have you been jamming lately? Uh, I've been off Rogsai for the last couple months, I think. It feels like a while. I've been playing yeah. Blue Farm a lot, so now I'm just a one-trick pony on Blue Farm because it's uh, statistically the best deck, so why play anything else, right? Literally I just guess. playing Blue yeah. Farm. Yeah, I, mean, I don't need to have fun while playing the game. <laughs> you had and some I... good luck with Blue Farm too, right? Like Blue Farm is what you took to uh, Oko and you top 16 on Oko. And so um, just playing locals and stuff, you went for like a, like a month where every FNM you were just winning every game. So <laughs> yeah, it was like two months. Yeah. So like you've been doing pretty good on Blue Farm. But then uh, what what is your road to like CDH been like? Have you always played the same decks? I feel like you've kind of had a little bit of a variety in your, your play experience. Yeah. So I started out, I don't know if we've discussed this already, but I start my first CDH deck was Savala Brostorm because it was cheap and fun and like really cheap and like could win like turn three. I was like, whoa, this deck's cracked. I got green spells. I had infinite mana, you know do some fun stuff and then uh i built grixis kess and grixis is just always always has been good and always will be good have you ever tried and... grixis obosh no mm, it's like always grixis mommies oh always mommies okay good, good, good. <laughs> and then blood pod and then rog sigh and then blue farm so what a, what a crazy road, dude. You go from like Brostorm to, to, to like Grixis Turbo and like such a fun path. And you even played Blood Pod. You were like, I'm going to stax Hulk the table while I also move into Grixis Storm. <laughs> yeah, it's like, fun. It is. But, but you play your decks for quite a while. Like you at least are, are on a deck for almost a year at a time, I would say, right? Yeah. yeah. Mostly long. I was on Rogside for like a year and a half. Yeah. And then I was like, this deck not doing it anymore you're like white's important let me get that color white grand abolisher is a magic card yeah <laughs> oh but yeah and what 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 decks have you been up to recently i know you've been acquiring lots of bling yeah or, so uh... i i would definitely say that i probably switched decks the most out of our play group yeah. um i've been playing like in the cdh meta since um midnight hunt right like that's when i really dove into cdh so i haven't even been playing i've just now been playing cdh for about a year and in that time i went from playing um five color slivers <laughs> to uh like because it was like sliver queen combo i then went into jessica ishai then went into winota then went into tim nathrasios uh i even had a few months where i played godo and now i'm on najila so in a year, I've played, what, one, two, three, four, five, six decks in a year. So I switch pretty often. I've moved to Najila down because I've changed my philosophy on, like, deck building and deck performance. Um, I feel like I'm in a good spot with Najila. I like having one card win conditions as well as, um, you know, ability to combo any way I choose. But other than that, yeah. I mean, I, I play for a few months at a time, I'd say. I think Jessica Isha, I played the longest. 
wouldn't you say? Probably like five or six months. And then yeah. from there, I've spent like three months on each other deck. Um, settling now here on Najila. My shortest stint probably being Winota. I like played Winota, ruined locals for like a month and a half, and then was like, this isn't fun for everyone else, so it's not fun for me. And then I switched switched to a different deck. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that like in our topic of conversation today, you know, soul bonding versus, you know, branching to different lists, I kind of represent the party of, I, I branch out the most, I'd say, and, and try the most lists, um, which might lead to our conversation about what's really the benefit, right? Um, so maybe we'll get into that. But Kian, why don't you talk about the next question? Yeah, so want to ask a question for, for you guys. So what are some pros and cons that uh, come up with playing the same deck for many years? I know, Cole, you've been playing like basically Tulane, or what did you call him before? Uh, like, is that his Colin. real name? Um, is that his real the, name? Yeah. Joking, when he wrote the primer, did a like a deep dive into like the correct way to say it, and it's like an ancient Gaelic legend, I think. Um, okay. And like the actual way to pronounce it's really difficult for me, so I shorten it to Holland. Holland. Okay. So I know you've been playing Holland for basically since on release. What are what do you think are some pros and cons from you just sticking with that one deck up until um, recently? It's like I basically know the deck like it's the back of my hands. Um, I've discovered so many different lines for the list, like because of how much I've played it. Um, and it gives me like an ability to like go for lines that most people won't ever see. Uh huh. Um, and like lines that my opponents don't see because like you know it's this obscure like thirtieth combo line in the deck. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> As far as cons go, um, like whenever I switch to a different list, like Rogsai, and like I have zero experience with ever playing Nas, Breach, any of that. I don't really know how it works, and like I keep whiffing Breach combos. I don't think I've won a game with a Breach yet. You'll get there. It's easy. That's once you yeah, learn. Breach, once you learn <laughs> breach combos, you don't want to do anything but breach combo. It's no. so simple, broken, and easy. It's like it's safe, right? Like breach combos are so safe, and it's really hard to get blown out once your breach resolves. Mind break so, trap well, would like to know your location. Uh, I keep what I keep doing is not having enough cards in graveyard. That's oh. the hardest part, probably trying to breach too early, especially in Rogsai. That can actually be like a real problem. Yeah, I've I whiffed like three in a row recently. Damn. So outside of just like you like playing uh, Holland, like the pros and cons of that, how do you think that other players can apply like the pros and cons of them playing their own deck to like the CDH meta? Um, I mean, as far as like, especially for people wanting to go to tournaments, maining like focusing on one deck has benefits because like you're going to perform better with a deck you know versus necessarily a strongest deck. Like, if I were to go to like the Chaos tournaments or something, I would play Holland because I know the deck versus Blue Farm. I mean, Blue Farm's probably a stronger list, but I don't know the list and I don't know necessarily how to play it. Mm -hmm. So being like knowing your deck is very important as far as like if you're wanting to try like keep your win percentages up, win tournaments, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, on the tournament note, Adam, I know you wanted to uh, to bring up something about like 
like deck professional or deck experts or like people that are just like your top term- tournament grinders and what their mindset is as it applies yeah. to like yeah so basically like something that i wanted to talk about and uh i feel like cole has a pretty good um grasp on this because cole you're pretty well versed into like the content meta and like these like these large events these large in-person events because you try to attend the ones that you can make and uh something that i wanted to bring up was the fact that like we see a lot of people that compete all the time that um, end up doing really well that are like deck experts right so something that I'd like to like point out is like for a recent example, we can talk about like Silicon Dynasty. Now, Cole, did you watch any of Silicon Dynasty or see any of the coverage not. around it? I okay. heard who won and that was about it. Okay. So in, in regards to who won, like I'm looking right now at the top 16. Okay. Um, looking at the top 16, I'm going to point out a few decks to you and the pilots. And I want you to let me know if you know what they play. Okay. So uh, the first, uh, I'll name out a few people, right? Um, so Alana, do you, do you, are you familiar with Alana? Yes. I, I mean, I'm at deck... uh, tier one. Um, okay. Do you know what probably deck even blue she... farm or rock side? Okay. Yep. She, so she brought blue farm, right? Um, okay. do you know Cal from playing with power? Yes. He played Timur pirates. Okay. Yep. So he played Timur pirates. Um, did he wear his hat? Uh, no, he did, uh, he did not bring the hat this time. So, like, uh, the reason why I'm naming these people, because, for example, we know that these people are what I would consider, quote-unquote, deck professionals, right? These are people that play a deck, they play this one deck, and they're probably some of the best pilots at that deck. Um, you also have uh, Vasher. Vasher also brought Teamer Pirates. Vasher's one of the DDB authors for Teamer Pirates. We have uh, Anthony Echevara. Um, he plays chain veil to fairy and he's the guy that won mm. um cash cards unlimited right we have ben loeb who won the whole event ben loeb is the primer author for esper pirates um so you have all these players that are known for playing these specific decks consistently making top 16s and then you have realize... players like oops sorry no no go ahead say what I, you're gonna say i didn't realize vasher had switched i thought he was still on a tim Nathrasios. Uh, so Vasher plays like a bunch of different decks, right? But Vasher's main go-to deck is, uh, Teamer Pirates. He also plays like Rog, Thrasios, Polymorph stuff. Like we've seen Vasher play a lot of decks and events. Vasher, I would almost argue, um, could be someone who is a, uh, a deck brancher, right? Um, so basically like he plays a variety of decks and will play any of those decks into tournaments. Another person who made top 16 that I think fits that bill is uh, Ian comedian will bring anything to a tournament that he thinks is fun and prove to people that he can take it to top 16. So I guess like um, something that I wanted to talk to you about is like your tournament experience, right? So you've played a lot of events as a Holland pilot and you had, you have varying success with that deck. And I wanted to know if you think that there's a benefit to being like the best um, or like the most well-rounded in a specific deck in comparison to people like Vasher or Ian who just bring whatever they want and still top 16. And then we can kind of talk about like these statistics of, of other events and things like that. Um, yeah, well, um, let's see where I want to go with this. Sorry, my mind just went blank for a second. 
Um, no, it's okay. It's a little bit of a difficult ask because you have to kind of think back to all the events that you've done and you've piloted with Holland, right? So like I know that um, we recently did Oktoberfest where you made top 40 in Oko. And for those that don't know how um, Monarch events work, there's a top 40 cut and then the top 40 cut on is a play-in. So in order to win, you have to win three games in a row in order to make it to the final table and then, you know, win that table. Yeah, so like that you was made the top first 40 event they've done that. Um, oh, the really? Marchesa one before that was just a cut to top 16. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, I bubbled that one. I got 17th. <laughs> oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. The early, early this year, like between a playing with power tournament, chaos tournaments, um, and then two of the big local tournaments around here and then Marchesa, I bubbled five tournaments in a row within like cut to top 16. I got top 20. Very nice. It was kind of depressing, but... Yeah, so um, close. As far as, like, bringing Holland specifically to tournaments and being known as, like, the Holland guy, I think it depends really on what deck you're, like, known for as to whether or not it adds... Because, um, like, Holland's not a very scary deck when you sit down under the table. It's not seen a lot. It's not... It's not something that's going to, like, either run away with a game really quickly or, like, Winota, just make it so no one else can play. I'm just going to kind of sit here, draw cards. It's kind of like a Thrasios-style deck where you just sit there, draw cards, accrue value. But mm -hmm. it has the ability of, once you get set up, it can just, like, I can just pick and choose my windows. Yeah, you can kind of and, like you you do like a controlled storm almost, where you've drawn so many cards and have so many things in play that you're allowed to just play the way you want, and the rest of the table has to adhere to your play. Yeah, yeah. And then it dodges a lot of counter spells and stuff because it's creatures. Yeah, cause nobody plays creature counter spells. Yeah, creature. We like to joke that creatures are virtually uncounterable in today's meta. Like, like oh, Basically. if you can win with a creature, you can because they're uncounterable. <laughs> Yeah, um, but, like, being known as the Holland pilot hasn't really, like, put a target or anything on me because, I mean, it's not like people are scared of the deck most of the time, sadly. But, like, playing against, like, a known Winota pilot or something, like, or, like, Cal, Teamer Pirates is, like, I think it depends on the deck is what I'm trying to get across mm. as far yeah, as, yeah. like, being like soul bonded to a deck and what it adds that makes sense yeah um so do you, do you know and then do you, do you kind of get what we're saying when we use the term like soul bonding to a deck um uh it's, yes kind of like it's you it's something that we, yeah it's something that we use as like kind of like a meme in our play group because like you know soul bond is a keyword in magic and it talks about uh, you you know once a creature enters the battlefield you can soul bond it or pair it with another creature and I feel like certain people sometimes soul bond to decks so they'll pair themselves with a deck and um, for sometimes for the wrong reasons right um, either they think it's better than other decks like they're not honest with themselves on how a deck might perform and so you'll see sometimes people soul bond to decks that maybe wouldn't perform the highest in their meta comparative to other decks that they play now if people are like well I just like the deck 
well, then it doesn't matter, right? Because <laughs> like you can play whatever you want to play. But yeah, there's like sometimes like I had that issue with Timnathrasios where I felt like I soul bonded to that deck where I felt like I had points to prove and people to prove wrong about it. And I was just completely <laughs> wrong with those points. You know what I mean? And then I ended up like taking it to tournament metas. And that's where the whole O3 drop meme comes from because uh, it just didn't perform at the level that I thought it would, would perform. Turns out not it. having white cards in a white deck is kind of bad. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, you are that in the Thresius. Okay. Yeah, I was playing Sacred Guy, and that's why it ended up being Sacred like a Deluxe. problem. I do now think that Sacred Deluxe is one of the weaker variants of the deck, but that's a whole nother, it's a whole nother topic to discuss later. But, um, but yeah, um, like so, some of these like statistics, right? When it comes to like these players who quote unquote soul bond to decks, like in Silicon Dynasty, right? You have like one, two, three. For at least five players I can count off of just players that I know personally that are that individually just play one deck, right? And like that deck exclusively, and that's the deck they play in events. And then I can count two players that, um, you know, are uh, variety players or players that play a lot of different decks. Uh, even here, if I go to like the bracket for Punt City, um, the top 16, you have Alana again, who only plays like blue farm and events. You have Mike sad, who's uh, a Winota player, Ben Loeb again, um, who basically plays, um, Esper pirates like exclusively. Um, and then you have like uh, a few players now here, this tournament has a lot more players that play like a variety of decks, right? You have like Ian comedian, you have, uh, Charles who plays a variety of like mono white styles. You have Tony Parks. Tony's uh, name is Hokey. And then you have, like, Emmett. These are all players that um, play, like, whatever deck they feel like playing into tournaments. So there's kind of, like, a mashup in, like, different events. I think Silicon Dynasty um, was uh, a, a, what we call, like, a new meta. So there we, like, we haven't seen a lot of, like, what the West Coast brings and what it holds. But that one showed a lot more players that were, um, like, like one-trick players that only play one style of deck. Whereas Punt City on the East Coast showed a lot of more variety players. Um, as a variety player myself, I don't see any benefit to it besides like getting to know the decks that are around, right? So like I know so much more about other playstyles. Like I know a lot about Stacks and Winota. I know a lot about um, Green and 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 like Thrasios like X strategies. Um, and then I know a ton about Breach Combo and stuff. So like when I'm in a pod, I feel like I'm what would be quote unquote the director of the pod. So people might not know what's going on or know what what's being cast or how a deck works. And I feel like I have that knowledge. So I'm usually the one like being like, oh, this is where you should interact. This is, you know, we're going to lose to this, this, this and that. But that's about it. Like, I don't feel like my my knowledge in game makes it easier for me to win. It just makes it easier for me not to lose as fast. <laughs> Whereas when I was playing like Jessica Ishai, sometimes I just felt in complete control or I knew when I was going to win a game and when I was going to lose a game. So my efforts changed drastically, right? Like when you know your deck inside and out, you know exactly what point you're in control and what I, exactly at what point you're out of control. And I think that there's so much more benefit to that because it affects how you play at the table than there is to just knowing what every deck at the table does. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, Kian. Maybe you can chime in on that. No, yeah, that makes sense. Because like, with the more experience you have playing other strategies, the more you're able to understand, like what they're like, how they win, what pieces they need to resolve. You know what a typical hand looks like in a deck. So, 
I think there's value to branching out to the other decks, but I also think there's value in just sticking with the deck for years. Because if you know it inside and out, you don't really care. If you know your deck good enough, you can win games. Yeah, I think that's like that's a really good way to, to kind of state that. Um, um, I will say playing this deck for as long as I have, um, I don't necessarily understand other strategies, but I know how my deck is able to stop them. I know, yeah. I know what pieces I need to find against certain decks. Mm, that makes sense. That's that I. That's actually huge, though, because like I remember that when I played Winota too, it was very similar. Where like I knew exactly what piece I needed in this moment, exactly what it was, and I knew exactly if I had the ability to tutor for it, get it, or like sometimes when you're playing a deck that that you're not as familiar with or that's newer for you it's uh it's really hard to make the right decisions and i feel like you lose to your own mistakes more often than you lose to the players at the other players at the table uh mm -hmm. would you agree that that's like something that happens quite a bit yeah definitely i've learned that with Rogsai. um i keep whipping <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, don't, just I don't like... know the list very well yet so yeah, you're just like losing to to mistakes that you weren't uh, weren't prepared for, or a situation that you didn't know was going to be um, presented, right? And you, you grabbed the wrong thing, or you tutored wrong two turns ago, and it comes back to bite you in the ass, and you're just like, well, "How did I end up here?" Right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's definitely definitely a, a, a weird learning curve. That being said, though, there are other players that have proved my theory wrong, right? That maybe it's just their pilot skill or something else. Um, they are, um, you know, they they just prove that they can bring anything to the table and compete with it. And I just don't think that most players can, can do the same thing, right? I can't bring Tivit to an event and top 16 it or win like Ian has, right? Um, or like skill uh, issue. Vasher. Yeah, or like Vasher. I can't just bring... Uh, you know, teamer polymorph or uh, yeah, teamer polymorph one day and then teamer pirates the next day and just put up the same results event after event. Like, I think it is a skill issue, quite honestly. I think some <laughs> players just are better at the game than others, and maybe that's you know, maybe that just is something that people have to cope with. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, before we move on, Kian, you got something for us to do? Yeah, we're moving on to the best segment of this show. The flavor text of the week. For those of you just tuning in or don't know what the segment is, it's where we try to stump you, the audience, and the guys on the podcast with some challenging flavor text trivia. So, Cole, are you ready? Uh, I suppose. All right. And for you, the audience, if you'd like to participate as well, um, put your answer in the flavor text Discord channel for your chance to win a free pack on us. So, Let's get started. I'll start with the guys on the podcast. <clears throat> All right. Flavor text. The mana that binds the world together can also tear it apart. Oh, I think that I think I know that one. I'll give Adam a shot first if he wants to get started. <laughs> okay. say, say it one more time. <laughs> the mana that binds the world together can also tear it apart. The mana that binds the world together. Um can also tear the world apart. Uh, this dude, I don't know what this is, but Cole, like, snap. Cole, like, snap knew. He snap picked that thing. Um, I think it's an easy mana, one for him. The mana that binds the world together tears the world apart. 
Uh, mana? It's a mana spell? Ugh, I have no idea. Cole, what do you think it is? I'm going to be impressed it's here if you get Mana Breach. Yes. Mana, Good job. Mana Breach. I've picked an easy know. one off the Holland list. All right. So, what? You... what? This one right here. Bam. Player cast a spell that player nice the foil. They control its head. It's like the the one win condition. Is it like a win condition in the deck? What is it? It's a stacks piece that doubles oh, as a no win way. condition. Yeah, yep. because you get to continuously put lands into play. That's so messed up. Yep. <laughs> All right. It's so so now, now one for the audience. Well, at least it's a lovely view. Okay. Totally good. Say it one so, more time for it. Well, at least it's a lovely view. Mm. So I know that we kind of like touched on this next next uh, point of discussion here, but like, how can branching out to other decks help you to improve as a player? Cole, I'll toss oh. it to you first. Definitely, like learning, like different play styles, different lines, different combos helps a lot. Um, so that way, you like, especially whenever I go back to Holland, I can see, like, what those pilots of that deck, like, I know what they're looking for now. I know, like, I can tell by, like, how they're playing. I can kind of guess it what's kind of in their hands and what their game plans are, because I mm -hmm. know the deck better now. Um, I don't have much experience with that, though. Really, the only, like, popular deck that I've played, other than Holland, is Rockside. Um, most other CDH lists that I've like branched out into have been homebrews. Gotcha. So another. So I guess a caveat I'll add to this is how, um, from playing your like one deck, how does that help you to improve your game against others? No, just knowing how my deck can react is like how it needs to react and what I need to do because I know the deck well helps a lot. Um, I feel like I'm just saying the same thing on repeat, but <laughs> I know we kind of touched yeah. on it earlier. So, yeah. I mean, so there is, there are like a few benefits to, to, to branching out to other decks, right? So like when, like it does 100% help you understand play patterns and play styles of other people. Um, I think basically like the, the best thing it can help you do is learn the combos of the decks that you're, that you're the most unfamiliar with. Right. So like a good example here is Cole, you said that you aren't familiar with breach piles and breach piles are really hard for you to understand. So getting to play Rogsai helps you better now understand how breach piles work and helps you interact with those decks with your main deck a lot easier. Right. So like now you know in Holland like when to fire off the endurance, right? Or you know when's the right time to play the force of vigor because those are your interaction points for decks like Rogsai, and you can save the game by utilizing those spells at the right time, right? I remember when yeah. I played Winota, um, my experience playing against uh playing with turbo decks told me exactly when like I needed to, you know, kill the Rogsai with a solitude before they go off to win the game. And all these types of things are important to note, especially if you're playing a style of deck that gives you a quote unquote brewer's advantage, right? Because there's brewer's advantage to playing decks that's uh, that are unfamiliar or what a lot of, you know, um, uh, like 
pilots that sold on to decks, they're playing decks that are their pet decks or that are their favorite decks, right? So that's why they uh, they have an inherent advantage by doing that because they're unfamiliar with the rest of the table. Like, how many games have you played, Cole, where people are like, what the hell does Tulane do? Um, too many to count. Exactly, <laughs> right? Because, like, even though it was a huge commander and very popular at one point, as the metas change, we always say like three months in CDH is like a year in real time, right? Like people just completely forget. New people start playing the game. Like the grow, the game is growing so fast that people don't have never. I never played against Flash Hulk. I don't even know what the fuck Flash does. You know what I mean? Oh like, god, it's yeah. So people like things like that change constantly, and so um, there's an inherent brewer's advantage, brewer's advantage to those decks. And if you can understand the rest of the table better than the other players at the table and you have that brewer's advantage i think it's a huge benefit to you as a pilot um i don't know though if like you guys would agree with me in saying that um like kian i'm sure you have some opinions on that <laughs> no not really i think i think it's true like if you know the more knowledge you have the more uh the better of a player you'll become so I don't know. I think you said it well there. Hmm. Well, then, I guess we can just move on. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is the topic that I think, like, we're kind of, like, the most in favor or, like, excited about because we all participate in it quite a bit. So we're talking about, like, uh, like blinging out our decks, right? Um, I think that's one of the best advantages to soul bonding to a deck or playing the same deck for a number of years is you have the opportunity to just bling it out as much as possible and flex on all of your opponents. Because even if you lose, if you have the coolest deck at the table, I think you win. So <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. So um, I don't know, like Cole, you, when I first met you, we met in person at Oktoberfest, And uh, one of the first things you did was you're like, Hey, can I show you my two lane deck? And I was like, yeah, dude, let me see this thing. Like, I love bling. And you started, like, slamming some cards down on the table, showing me altars and, and you know, painted cards and signed cards and foils. And I was like, this is sick. Like, I love this. And you had some really high-end altars, too. Uh, so yeah, why don't you talk about... Like, oh, go a on. section of, like... I have cards set aside to show if that's okay, but... Yeah, 100%. Um, I guess we'll start with the big boys first. I have... Uh, Judge Promo Cradle. Oh, very nice. That's a big boy flex and, right there. <laughs> um, the Junior Series City of Brass. Oh, nice. Sick. Um, we'll start with foils first. Um, I have, you know, the obviously if I can for I go for retros. I have Crop Rotation, Noble Hierarch, Eladonry's Call, all like the old retro foils. I see a fellow um, old border simp. I can respect mm -hmm. it. Uh, I just need them, you know, onslaught fetches to drop like a thousand dollars. True. I I will buy them once they don't drop we as well. <laughs> yeah, don't we all um, wish that was the case? I am part of the crazy people category where if a card doesn't come in foil, I will put paint on it or have commission an altar or something. Mm -hmm. So like this is my three duels. Full nice. arts. Wow. Galaxies guys. Um, these were actually done by a local artist, which was nice. Um, my commander and my Gilded Drake I had done by Mike from Playing with Power. 
Oh, super sick. Mike said. Yo, that Drake is sick. Uh, it's so good. I'm really happy about this one. I got this, this um, my commander altar recently from him, like maybe two weeks ago. It's Iroh from Avatar. Because that's oh, really what Owen reminds me of. And then, like, this is probably my favorite one I have so far. My Alluran altar. Most of you well, probably oh, don't know what an Alluran does. But <laughs> when I commissioned it, I had Holin put on it. And then the creatures in the background are Shrieking Drakes and White Mane Lions, the two cards that combo with the card. That's honestly That's so cool. cool. That was one I of my favorites. I, had, I wish I had more altars, dude. I have alt I get all my commanders altered. Um but my like actual yeah. cards, I only have like one altar and that's I had Mike Sad uh border extend an original dockside because I nice. I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of the new printings. So yeah. other than since um, they don't have a foil, yeah. And just, just like to show everybody like just just the deck as a whole. Is all foil, yeah. All foils, and if it's not foils, it's been painted on. That's so cool. Um, yeah, so how long have you been working on, like, blinging out your Holland deck? Um, this was probably a two- or three-year journey. Um, wow, so quite a bit. One of my previous jobs I had was making a lot of money and had very little like expenses at the time mm -hmm. so i decided to dump it all into magic <laughs> i had like 30 different casual decks at one point at the same time as i was foiling out this deck um and i actually have three foiled out fully foiled out decks three um, oh three what the heck only one is competitive i have okay um rakdos lord of riots um, okay. It was my first ever deck, so I foiled it out. That's got my only other duel that I own. It has a Badlands in it. And then uh, it's got, like, you know, all your good um, Rakdos lands, all your foil titans. And then I foiled out Mono White Gideon Tribal. <laughs> because so you're for real, Chad? <laughs> yes. Gideon <laughs> is the best planeswalker and changed my mind. Uh, so I will say, um, Deathrite would like to know your location. The new Tavar <laughs> and the story behind Tavar is really making me appreciate him. Oh, really? I haven't uh, I haven't paid too much attention to the new lore stuff, so I'm not I'm not super familiar with Tavar. Um, um, basically, he went to Phyrexia with no shirt and kicked ass. <laughs> with no shirt, like that was <laughs> started yeah, punching all the praetors. Basically. Um, so then, do you do you bling out your deck with any themes, Cole? Like, do um, you have like like do, are all your like? I know you said that you like old border stuff. So like, do you keep as much things old border as possible? Do you go with the oldest printing of a foil? Do you do with pack foils? Like, there's a bunch of themes uh, that people utilize with bling. I have one consistent theme across all three decks, and that's I go for whichever foil I like the most. <laughs> That so, like, I'll look at all the foil printings, um, and I'll pick whichever one I find the best. Um, recently, I haven't been able to quite do that. I've changed careers a lot lately in the past, like, six months. Mm -hmm. 
So price has become a factor with some of my foils. So like my Ristic study isn't like the prophecy foil like I want it to be. But but yeah, as far as that though, I mostly just go for whatever foil I like. I like the best. Mm, that's it. Yeah, I I am one of the people that my foils fit a subsequent theme, right? So like I know like some people are like, oh, I only do the most expensive printings of a card. And I'm like, well, that's cool. I can't afford that. <laughs> I can afford some pretty expensive cards, but I can't afford, you know, like old border onslaught fetches and things like that. So like, like for example, right? Like one of my themes is my artifacts in my deck. So every artifact in my deck is a um, new border foil. So if it's, uh, it's going to be, you know, like the silver foil printing, and that includes like all the judge promo artifacts, like this judge promo soul ring, my judge promo mobile, judge promo mana crypt right and then like if they have a silver foil and it's not the fanciest versions like this arcane signet i get the full art same with like my mana vault um i got like my full art mana vault but i don't like inventions so i don't get any inventions i'm not a big fan of like invocations so i don't have invocations so i that's think like... i'm going to change your mind on one and what's um <laughs> as far as inventions cloudstone curio well, listen. It's an egg. The invention is like... so much better than the, like the art itself, not like the foiling. Oh, just the art yeah. itself is so you don't like much the big better. Guy? You don't like the big guy uh, statue thing no. on it. That's like <laughs> not at all. Down. Uh, the, um, I think the invention art is just way superior. But oh yeah, and then like the other themes that I follow are basically like old border judge promos. Uh, old borders and judge promos or any any type of promo printing right so like like all my combo card like I, and whenever i foil out a deck i always start by foiling out the win condition that's like my favorite part is like if, like if i have breach combo i foil out breach combo and that way you know if i'm putting a foil on the stack i'm about to win the game and then yeah. like stuff like that but then like so like for my my other printings like this is like old border brain freeze foil uh judge promo intuition foil right um, my judge promo dark ritual, old border snap foil, my judge promo force of will. So like that's like here's my super series foil, right? Oh, you're my city of brass. Yeah, I traded up to a side one, but yeah, like that's like the kind of stuff that I'm into and the themes that I follow with my decks, right? Here's a foil tainted pact, um, chain of vapor, and then a uh, judge promo one dark uh, uh, demonic tutor. So like. When it comes to foiling my decks, those are like the themes that I pick. But that's just because it's what makes me happy. I think in general, right? Like when you bling out your deck, it's about like what makes you happy and 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 how you acquire the cards. Which like Kian, you have like stories for every card that you've acquired because you've got like some either crazy good deals or cards that you've had from like friends and trades. Like you've acquired some foils in some pretty sick ways. Uh. I spent money on foils. That's how I acquire. <laughs> well, I know um, I don't have the cards in front of me. I should be grab those. But I know I've had this. I've had an altered force will um, by Therese Nelson for almost six years now. And I think I went to Energy Milwaukee like way back when and traded a mana crypt for it. Um, so that, that was pretty cool. Uh, other than that, the judge promo that Adam... Adam Show, that's one of my Grail cards that I picked up in the in the uh, recently. Um, other than that, for themes, I am an old border foil simp. 
I love Old Border foils. I think Old Border is the best printing of all Magic cards. If it's printed in Old Border, I probably have it somewhere. That includes all, like, any format I play, Popper, you know, Legacy, <clears throat> CDH. Um, yeah, I, I'm not too big on, like, foil, like fully foiling art out a deck, I'd say. Like, Adams, Adam and, and Kevin are more in tunes to spending a lot of money on uh, cardboard. <laughs> it's, an, it's an actual addiction. <laughs> it, it is an addiction. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, what crazy stories were you were you think, or what crazy deals were you? Just like things like, you know, like your Ristic study, the deal that you got on your Ristic study, or just like, you know, sometimes just like stealing cards from your friends and being like, you're not using this. I'll take this now. What are you talking about? <laughs> when, when, when did I, when have I stolen a card? Uh, I mean, there's a city of traders that's out of my. Listen, why right you now. you owe me money, so I'm, t I'm that's on loan. You owe. Me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's but, collateral. Um, it is, yeah, yeah it exactly. Is it's collateral. It's collateral. He had to pay for a, a carry-on bag that when I missed my flight home. From he O three dropped the plane, and then I had to pay for all everything. So hey, he owe me but, on on top of the O three drop plane. So now the city of traders what, is fine. One of my biggest flexes that I'm actually like really, really proud of um, is thanks to Kian. Um, and it's uh, it's this Najila that I got, right? So this is a Najila that Kian got me for Christmas. Um, and it's actually an artist proof from oh, uh, from Matt. Yeah. So he did this like hand-sketched drawing of Najila leading her warriors into battle. And this is like... This is a new thing for me, right? Like artist proofs are very, very new to me. And I'm like super hyped about this one. Um, and so like that's a branch of bling that I don't think many people like know about and don't not many people get into because it's like a whole nother world. Like you want to talk about expensive cards like APs oh, are like insane. so expensive, like, uh, <laughs> like ridiculous. And then you're talking about yeah. getting paints and arts on them. It's like bonkers nuts. Yeah. Sadly, APs aren't tournament legal, which is why I didn't go full AP for Holland or try to, because mm. I've thought about yeah. it. I really did. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's cool, right? If you can do it, but they're like, cool, oh, man. but they're not tournament legal, so I didn't. It's sad. Yeah. That's why, like, I'm glad that it's my commander because, like, in the command zone, I can have like my real Najila, right? And then I can have my AP, and then when it's on the table, I just play my AP Najila on the sketch side, and it just like yeah. it's you know just as good. Mm -hmm. So, and if someone asks or calls a judge, I just pull out my my real one. But uh, but yeah, it's like pretty uh, pretty pretty like a whole different world. We actually have like if you watch like Ristic Studies, they have a video called A Hundred Proof with one of my friends Crunch, and he has a fully AP Kenrith deck. And yeah, that's like, it, yeah, that's like an insane level of commitment to the bling cause. You know what I mean? And uh, it's pretty impressive to have something set aside like that. But um, yeah, but yeah I, so, I didn't even I didn't even know about artist proofs. Like, I didn't even know they were a thing until you brought like until you brought it up. I was like, yo, look, look at this cool artist proof. I'm like, what are those? The artist just <laughs> doodles on the card. Seems pretty cool. And then I looked at the prize. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. what? 
That's what it is, though, right? Like, you look at it, and you're like, this is such a cool idea. And then you, like, check the price. You're like, Bleh. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? Because <laughs> a card that's, like, 10 cents, then artist proof sketch is, like, $300. Yeah. Like, it's not <laughs> cheap. Yeah. It's I mean, and there's only, like, what, 30 of each foil, I think, and 50 of each non-foil for each card? Yeah. yeah so, like, uh, it depends, right? Like, the, these, like, uh, the Commander Legends etched foils, there's actually 50. So like I have okay, like yeah. number four, 42 out of 50, right? Um, but they're like numbered and they're rare. They're rarer than any other card to get an AP of a card. It's like ridiculous. And then the only time that you can get that AP again is if like they reprint it and only select number of cards get proofs. So it's like super rare and like hard to get. And so it's like a cool niche little thing for the community. If you're someone that likes bling and like you want to bling your commander or bling out... The win conditions in your deck. Like, there's a huge community of collectors who only collect artist proofs, which is kind of insane. Yeah. They're yeah. they're on their porcelain thrones, looking down at all our pe- us peasants buying just foils. <laughs> they're like, Haha. we get all right. So, I got a question yeah. for both of you. What's the mo? What's your like? What's your Grail card if you don't have it already? Like, what's your what's the card that you would want to get? Foil, non like altered. Artist proof, whatever. What's the card that you would want the most? All right. Can I give a hypothetical? Like, it doesn't exist, but I need it to exist. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Foil Shrieking Drake. Okay. Is Shrieking it Drake does on not the reserve exi- list? No. No. It it's just... Pr- in, it's a common from Visions and has never been reprinted. Yep. Really? Oh, man. Yeah, that would be sick. A Foil Shrieking Drake? I think that's... I think that's worth it to say it's what your dream card would be, right? Um, but as far as cards that actually exist, um, I want a textless cradle promo. Um, like a guy's cradle? Yeah, the textless guy's cradle promos. Um, it's basically the judge promo, but has no text. It just has the green symbol. Really? That's pretty cool. If you can find them, they are roughly 30000 I've never I even heard of this, this until until you yeah. yeah until you said something. Yeah, it's um, well, I can't really show you because I don't own one. But <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for I'm looking it up right now to see if I can find any info on it. But that seems kind of insane. I'm assuming it's very similar to the, um, yeah, I see it right here. Uh, the it's kind of like a test well. print sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's similar to like the City of Traders foil. Um, where like they have foil city of traders, but they're so rare and so hard to find. And yeah, I see it right here. This textless guy's cradle. Holy crap, dude. That's insane. Um, I think the last sold one was 10,000, like four years ago. Oh man. Um, that guy got I steel. actually was looking for one probably a year ago and the cheapest price I could find was 30,000. Holy wow. crap. <laughs> I had I had like nine thousand ready for it, and you couldn't and get it. I yeah, I was nowhere close. Yeah, that's so sick. I've never even heard of this before. Yeah, uh, the Texas foil guys cradle came from an uncut sheet where all the cards had no text. You can also find other cards in this, including tournament staple duress. But yeah, uh, at the time that this article was written, which was years ago, the ballpark was around five thousand dollars. Yeah, that's insane. Holy crap. That's such a cool... I never even knew that existed, dude. <laughs> um, For me right now, 
the only card that's like on my grail list that I don't know if I'll be able to get is a foil English Final Fortune. Uh, the price on them just kind of keeps going up and up, and they haven't reprinted anything. It's from seventh edition, and like I want one really bad, but I'm just like not willing to pay the price that it's worth. My grill used to be Judge Promo Intuition, but I got offered such a good deal I could not pass it up, and I was able to acquire one in the last couple months. So now it's kind of switched there to a final fortune. And then obviously, like I do want a time twister one day. Um, I've had been given offers to buy time twisters, and I'm just like Nope, can't do that. I'm opening a game store. Can't afford to buy a time twister right now. Like too much stuff going on. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, my priorities have changed a little bit. Like I've stopped buying a lot of foils. Um, like basically I have Najila at 98% foil. I'm missing two cards to f- complete it. And that's uh, Diabolic Intent and Final Fortune. And I want both original printing foils. So um, once I did that, I was like, well, I'm content and probably not buying any more cards for a very long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What about you, kid? What's your like dream card? Um, I also want a English seventh edition foil Final Fortune, but uh, other than that, I'd take. I think Artist Proofs Timna Crom Timna and Crom would be pretty cool as well. Oh, you that's know how expensive right those probably are. Yeah, Dude, I don't think it's gotta be... they're probably out of those. I haven't even. I'm looked, sure they're but out, I'm but you sure... can you can buy them on like the secondary market from people that own them, like people. People will always sell stuff for the right price. Game. Yeah, um, but I can imagine. Actually, like, I, sorry. Now that I, I think about say, it, uh, this is the funniest part about recording: is when <laughs> you, people <laughs> try to say stuff at the same time. You can go first, Cole. All right. Um, I actually a Grail card that I need. Like, not even it's not even that hard to get. I just don't own one. I don't have a foil commander. I only have my altar uh-huh. and my signed one. Dude, those really? are the only That's two I own. Yeah, interesting. Wow, no one's ever like as a gift been like, "Here's a foil Tulane, dude." <laughs> no, um, when I went to Tier One Con, the first one, um, joking was there, um, Spleen was there, and so mm-hmm. we all got assigned hole and signed by all three of us, because like three of the big people of the deck. Because Spleen, Spleen's one of the people that started it. Um, oh, cool. And then, so I took my copy and had it sent out to all the other people that helped brood the deck and had them sign it as well. That's actually But yeah, sick. I don't own a, fo- a foil one. That's so funny. I'm surprised you haven't just been at an event and been like, oh, there's a foil Tulane. Let me snap Yoink. that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just never been a priority for me, I guess. I just realized it yeah. now looking at them. <laughs> you never thought about it until we just started talking about foils. <laughs> Uh, that's super fun. Um, well, uh, what? Oh, fuck! What was I gonna say now? No, I can't remember what I was gonna say. Your story was so funny. <laughs> um, we were talking about uh, what? Well, we were talking about English Final Fortune, and then uh, spending money on cards. Yeah, I don't know. I lost it. Real cards that we want are cool. Yeah, I mean, the Diabot content would be cool too, but that's a little bit more affordable than like. A 7th edition Final Fortune. A 7th edition Birds, I guess, would also be on my radar Uh, for, like, a Grail card. Yeah. Definitely. 7th edition Um, Foil Birds. Like, ugh. I think it's... That's moved down on my list now that it got a Retro Foil. Yeah, I own one of the Retro Foils as well, so it's, like, not Um, super hype. Also, like, I can get an 8th edition. (laughs) 
for yeah. like it's like significantly cheaper for eighth edition. Yeah. But um, but yeah, but uh, I guess we'll kind of start the wrap up here. But um, thanks for showing off your deck, Cole. Thanks for kind of no talking problem. a little bit about uh, soul bonding versus branching out. Um, like we really appreciate that. We really appreciate you coming on. We appreciate you being a patron and supporting us for so long. Um, it's really really nice of you to do that. You don't have to do that, and it means a lot to us. Yeah, um, it really does. Like recently. Thank you. Yeah, recently we've been able to buy like uh, overhead setup for recording in-person games at our local LGSs. We we're nice. able to stream on Twitch now with all the equipment that we have. We've upgraded like our recording setups. Like, it's just really cool stuff that like Patreon enables us to do. We've been talking and... about gameplay uh, coming soon for the last six months, but listen, it's coming. We we got part one of two packages of these really nice equipment. So like Adam was saying, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll we actually yeah we, we actually we're gonna have be the opportunity of the means yeah so it's really cool it's it's thanks to people like you Cole that like you know donate money to us and help us out and, and want to see channels grow and want to see CDH grow because like that's kind of our main goal right is like helping CDH grow and get more people yeah. into the format so we we really appreciated it uh, yeah I, I try my best um I love CDH I want to see it grow um and so I just I do what I can. And it yeah. just happens to be a little bit more than some people can. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <The> most, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You do a lot to help. You do a lot to help out other community members like us, Monarch, Josh. You know, you yeah. you're a valued member of the community. So, thank you for that. Um, I think other than that, Kian, do you have anything you'd like to close with? Um, no, I think we basically touched on everything we want to touch on this episode. I think the bling was the best uh, part. TBH. Yeah, oh, I like the 100%. bling talk. The bling, bling talk is fun. Who cares about the other um, shit? Show us shiny, shiny cardboard. <laughs> Here's <laughs> so a I'm question: joking. If yeah, y'all have multiple away. basics in a deck, do they have to match? Yeah, I do, I go full art foil, uh, text basics. That's like my favorite. I that are like the play, the like uh, rules text of a basic land. Those are my favorite. <laughs> nice um it, it depends if i had so my favorite basics are um unhinged john avon basics so if a deck if i have all like a deck has like four islands and two swamps if i have four islands and two swamps i'm gonna use just john avon basics if not i like to like use one art for like change up the art every time they're not the same art. yeah i like seeing all so for Holland, I use these the pixel lands. Pixel lands are cool, oh, dude. Yeah. Pixel lands are sick. I do like pixel um, lands. But as far as like for like my casual decks, I like for Gideon Tribal. I'm trying to get like one of each. Like, uh, like go through and get specialty foils, like the showcase land from M21. I have one of those. One of each of the unstable land. Or, oh, so um, you try, like if it's Infinity. like a monocolored deck. You'll get like as yeah. many basic. Yeah, that's cool. cool I, foils. Yeah, that's really fun. Yeah, especially if they're like like bling foils, right? Do you have a guru yeah. basic? Not yet. That would be sick. I got Guru's some Odyssey um, basics. The problem with guru is it's oh, not nice. like foil. Yeah, but it's such a flex, dude. It is. Like, a hey, flex. here's my eight hundred dollar basic. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna get an altered guru. That's what I'm gonna do. 
Oh my gosh. The madman. <laughs> they have like the there's like a there's like an island at the Guru Island that has a misprint called the Drowning Man, where the guru set symbols upside down and printed in the middle of the art. So it looks like there's a man drowning in the water in the island. Oh, I need yeah, that. There's like there's like really cool stuff that's uh that exists out there in the wild. New Grogart. Uh, <laughs> New Grogart Drowning <laughs> Man Island from Guru. That's so fun. Um, well then, uh, yeah, then before we end, uh, once again, I'd like to thank all of our high tier patrons. So thank you to Doot, Usable Object, Senator Tom, Scorish, Jeff Bezos, Unorthodox Bird, Domino, Max P, Geos Justin, and our resident Chad Nas patrons, Cole Just Ice, who you all have met today. Thank you once again to Cole. And then our newest Chad Nas patron, Valhalla C. Thank you guys for the support. Support from our patrons is what makes us here at Sadnos continue to con make content, continue to make new content, buy things like overhead rigs for gameplay. Now we're going to be streaming from like our LGSs and doing stuff like that. And it's all thanks to you guys supporting us. Like, like to be completely transparent here, like me and Kian and the rest of the guys don't actually make any money off of Sadnos. We just use the money that you guys give us to make the videos better. So we really appreciate that. And, you know, your support helps us to do that. So thank you. And then for those of you that haven't already joined the Discord, what the fuck, man? Get in the Discord. The Discord's fun. It's, like, actually active. People actually talk every day. And games are firing every day. We had, like, three games fire last night. And it was just fun and vibing. And then now we're doing patron days on Sundays. So on Sundays we play games all day long with our patrons. Um, and there's six of us. So whoever's got time is out there playing with you. So, um, you know, come in, join for that. It's a really good time. Um, and it's really fun. But I would like to announce we've made new strides, okay? We finally have more subscribers than we have uh, Discord members. Discord members. <laughs> it's like for the longest time, it was the opposite. We had like a Discord with 400 people and like 300 subscribers. And I was like, what's it? Where's everybody doing? Everybody's hanging out, but nobody's. nobody's Subbing to us on YouTube, man. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Please do that. Actually, it's. Oh, it's I like... should probably check that. I don't watch y'all on YouTube, so. <laughs> what? You're not sub to us on YouTube. All right, scratch this episode. Goodbye. Th <laughs> thanks for your hundred. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's actually like uh, it's actually funny because most of our audience is on Spotify, but nobody can see the Spotify views except for us. So when people look us up on YouTube, they're like, "Oh, look at this like really small channel." And then on yep. Spotify, we're like banging, we're popping. So it's well, just, what's like, our rank on like, Spotify? Our Spotify like... rank, and we're like um, in our specific category, we're in the top fifty podcasts, and sometimes it gets like. In certain countries, we're number one. So, pretty it's crazy. Kind of, yeah, pretty fun. Oh, but I am already subscribed. Never mind. Let's go. Hey. Cole. Always love the support. Um, but yeah, so make sure that you join the Discord, dude. We have a lot of fun. We're local to Milwaukee. So, if you're from Wisconsin at all or thinking about coming to Wisconsin, I know even Cole at some point was like, hey, what's going on in Milwaukee? Yeah, Let me see the plan's still summer 2024. So, hey, yo. So, yeah, but we have a big local community. We have a lot of stuff we're talking about. I'm opening a game store. So, that's. We are talking about that in the Discord. So there's a lot of things that are that are going on and that are happening. So get in there, have some fun, and spend some time with us because we'd love to spend some time with you. Um, and other than that, um, if you're listening on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else, like, subscribe, leave a comment, drop us a review, and share us with your friends. When we post on Twitter, when we do things like that, follow us there, retweet the tweets, and it'll help us reach new audiences, and we can have more friends to play with and more people to talk to and more 
episodes for us to to cast other than that i think uh we'll end the episode here so you guys have a good week and we'll see you on the next one